0: That's very sweet. We're going to have an opportunity this weekend to hear from two very special people. And I know some of you know them. Doug and Nancy Stevens are right here. Go ahead and give them a big round of applause. But they are a fantastic couple, deeply faithful, and also uh, very much uh, experts in the arena of training leaders. And actually, uh, from our retreat here, they are going uh, off to Haiti uh, to continue the work that they do there, training Christian leaders and training pastors. And um, we are very, very uh, fortunate to have them come and speak and share with us, not only just share their wisdom from up front, but also share their lives. And so, um, Doug, I think you're, you're the one sharing tonight. Is that correct? Okay, why don't you both come on up here. And um, I just would, uh, I mean, we're just so fortunate to have you guys. Thank you for being here, making the time to be with us. And um, I'd love to pray uh, for you both, that God would anoint you both, and that you uh, would really speak to us as a community. So let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for Doug and Nancy and their ministry I thank you for the way that they have walked with this community and loved GRX and really led them. Um, And God, we thank you for their continued ministry, their continued faithfulness to you. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured out on them in a mighty way, that they would speak your words, and that we would hear and receive all that you would have to say to us through them. So God, we thank you so much for Doug and Nancy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you,
1: Pastor Scott. And, uh, I just want you to know we've been looking forward to this for uh, for a long time. Feel honored and uh, delighted to be invited to be with you and see you all again and meet some new folks as well. And that's a sign of a church that's, uh, that's moving forward is that new folks are coming and, and uh, becoming a part of your community. And I uh, hope you're warmly welcoming everybody like you welcomed us a little while ago. Um, Nancy, my wife, I'm very... Uh, very proud of her because she's just come through two months of rehab from a full total knee replacement. So here she is. And she's going to be dancing now.
2: Um, yeah, I have to clear up. Unfortunately, I don't get to go to Haiti this time. Um, I did have this surgery, and my doctor's very conservative and didn't want me to fly. So unfortunately, I can't go with Doug to Haiti, but I've, I will be going in the future. And I want to just say... What a blessing. Pastor Scott, thank you for your introduction, but it's really our privilege to be here. Um, We love GRX um, as just an amazing body of Christ. Um, We count our, I guess we were there almost two years, as just such a rich experience for us. Um, And we made so many friends that are going to be lifelong.
1: And learned so much about eating Asian food.
2: I was going to get to that, but, I mean, we just felt so embraced <laughs> and so blessed to have that cross-cultural experience. Um, so thank you for welcoming us into your hearts, and um, we look forward to meeting the folks that we didn't get to know when we were there a couple of years ago. So back to Doug. Thank
1: you. Um, enjoyed the worship tonight. It was fun playing the game. I do want you to know that I understand, Alan, that it's hard for you to keep the beat, but Micah really kept us, you know, right on track, so we really appreciate that. Um, oh, it's really uh, it's really good to be here. I haven't been to Camp Quinney for about 15 years. I was here a while ago, a couple of times, and uh, they still have the ropes course here, that up, up high, the ropes course. I know that uh, uh, the Jen actually wants to lead that experience. Well, if you know anything about Jen, that would be the last place you would find her. She's adventurous in every other way except heights. Um, it should be uh, it should be a great time this weekend for us to, to be together. And we're talking about leadership because you've been doing a study, a series on leadership of one kind or another. I haven't read the book that uh, sort of inspired this, but i'm a student of leadership i'm thinking about it all the time i do a lot of coaching a lot of consulting around the issue of leadership and i think about my own leadership and uh, hopefully continue to be self-critical and continue to grow and continue to become aware of new models of leadership especially as the world is a, a place that is changing a lot and requires adaptability and uh um uh and yet there are some principles that underlie leadership wherever you are, whatever culture you're a part of, and we want to talk about some of that tonight. Now, um, one other event, Nancy had her uh, knee replacement two months ago, and she really is doing great. She's way beyond uh, uh, the, the curve in terms of uh, how well she's progressing. 141 degrees, is that where you are? 136, I exaggerated, okay. Nobody knows what that means, okay. Okay. That means she can put her knee over her neck. <laughs> Something like that. Um, I don't know if, if, if you heard about it, but uh, uh, a year ago last month, I had a stroke. And uh, I think I look pretty good for an invalid. <laughs> um, it, was, it, was a, it was very weird um, to have that experience. Fortunately, it was very minor. Um, and it was... Overnight, and you know, went to the hospital and had the MRI, and sure enough, you know, there was a little a dead spot in my brain. The doctor said the good news, Doug, is you're not you're not using most of your brain, so we can actually rehab you and rewire your brain so that you know your left hand, which was most affected by that. Um, unfortunately, before the stroke, I could raise my arm above my head like this, and today I have a hard time getting it right. Explain that to your neighbor if somebody didn't didn't get what I just did. There, I I really do feel very very blessed, and it has given me a new empathy for people who struggle with uh, with, with serious stuff. Um, I felt like I had a brush with it, and maybe God opened up a little bit more sensitivity on my part because I'm used to being such a healthy guy with boundless energy, and uh, um, I was uh, I was slowed down. I had to kind of think through, you know, some of the the, the patterns of my life. The doctor said, uh, "Your diet? How's your diet? My diet's my diet's good. It's not as good as Dave Hero's, but it's but it's good. Um, exercise level? Again, not quite Dave's, but you know, close. I work hard um, for a man of my advanced years. And uh, how's your stress level, Doug? Okay, I didn't have a quick answer to that one. Uh, I had to think about that one because that's what I do, and I don't want a stress-free life. I love the challenges I have, but I had to think about the difference between stress and distress. And by the way, so do you. You have to think about that difference. Leaders need to think about that, need to think about healthy rhythm. And uh, we get out of sync um, in ways we don't often recognize. Uh, sometimes it takes uh, an incident or a crisis or even somebody asking us a question about an area where we might be out of balance. And uh, so... Um, Every once in a while, God is good and gives us a bit of a wake-up call and uh, asks us to to rethink uh, the pattern of our lives and to make whatever adjustments are are called for. So I've made some of those adjustments so that I have plenty of stress in my life, but hopefully not very much distress. And I think that happens when you're actually doing what you are called to do and not simply trying to respond to everybody's demands and requests. um, Because leaders are responsive to one voice in particular, and uh, sift through the various other um, callings and demands and options um, in regard to that, to that one voice. Um, we just have a few minutes tonight. This is really kind of an introduction, and uh, when I think about the passage we're going to read right now, I regret that, because it really could be the whole weekend and, uh, and much more, but we're going to start here in Joshua chapter 5. Uh, I don't know if you have a Bible with you, but I think it's going to be up on the screen if you don't. So no worries. Joshua 5, beginning with verse 9. This is one of my favorite passages in terms of uh, profiling leadership and, and getting ready to lead. Um, it almost seems premature because Israel is barely out of uh, um, you know generations of slavery in Egypt. And uh, the thought of, of anyone, uh, that any Israelite actually leading, as, as you know, of course, it, it, it started with, with Moses who was outside the slave economy. He was sent in to liberate his people. He became the great champion, the great hero. Um, and then Moses left at the scene right at the worst possible moment as they were about to cross the Jordan River and enter, enter into that promised land where the battles really began and the struggle to define themselves and their future began, and they were a slave people. So how do you take this group of people and turn them into leaders, Uh, turn them into confident men and women, turn them into people who will make a difference so much so that the whole world is going to pay attention. And the eyes of the world for so many centuries and even millennia now have been on the Jewish people and what they have accomplished, and most importantly, what they represent sometimes through the the worst struggles imaginable as well as the highest achievements um, ever attained by human beings on the face of the earth. So if you go to chapter 5, let me begin with verse 9. I'm going to read this passage in its entirety and then point out very briefly um, four experiences. Not just four lessons, but four experiences. And this is another note I just want you to take that... When people are, are, are moving and changing and growing, it's not just something they learn. It has to be something we experience. The word to know in Scripture coming out of the Hebrew is uh, really means to learn something by experience, not just to be taught it, not just to sit in a classroom, not just to hear the truth, but to experience it, to taste it, to feel it, to, to walk into it, and to learn by doing it. So, beginning with verse 9, And it seems like we're in the middle of an experience, and we are, but then we can summarize it later. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the, of the land, unleavened bread, and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they, the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. There's an awful lot going on here and again I just want to summarize briefly because uh, it's Friday night and you're all half asleep. You know the first time I ever spoke at a church retreat I can go back to 1970 something the first time I ever spoke I was brand new at this it was a high school retreat it was a high school ski retreat and I uh, <clears throat> Uh, it was Friday night, and of course we got there later than we thought we'd get there. And so um, <clears throat> I was supposed to open that night with a with a brief message, and uh, um, uh, it uh, the program started at eleven o'clock on Friday night. About two hours late, eleven o'clock. So about eleven twenty, they put me on. You can't imagine how awkward. That, that felt, but nevertheless, I was going to I, I was going to do what I was supposed to do. And I had heard someone uh, a, a little while earlier do something in a in a message to a, to a larger gathering of people that I thought was brilliant, and I wanted to repeat it that night as kind of an opening for the uh, for the retreat. So I decided to do what he had done, which was a survey of the Bible, starting at eleven twenty. A survey. Of the Bible, I wasn't going to read every verse. Okay, I, w- I wasn't going to do that. I was, I, but I was going to give a survey of the Bible. Well, it was close to midnight. I got to Jeremiah. Virtually nobody left in the audience was conscious. I had, a good, had the good sense and that horrible feeling that I had lost the crowd, which indeed I had, and so I, I, I cut it short. Um, so I will not be going too long tonight. <laughs> I learned the lesson, but but here goes. The first experience that Joshua needs to have and then Israel needs to have if they're going to become a voice to the nations, if there's going to be any leadership emerging out of Israel, the first experience they have to have is the removal of shame or, as it's called here, the reproach of Egypt. There was a slave mentality after generations of um, ill treatment, of demeaning and disrespectful behavior, of being forced to work, of being under the control of somebody else, and being devalued as human beings, being treated as subhuman, as less than worthy. Something radical had to happen to the Israelites in terms of their identity. The shame had to be removed. I just want to make note of that because that's the same is true for us. If you're going to develop the kind of potential God has in mind for you, the shame has to be removed. It has to disappear. It has to go away. How does that happen? I just want to leave that question maybe um, suspended in the air tonight. But it has to go. Um... Until you believe what God says about you, that you are beloved, that you are made in his image, that you are enormously gifted, and of course that those gifts have to be developed. They don't show up full-blown. That you are worth something, that you matter, that you can join with others and make a huge difference in this world. And that those old tapes, perhaps rolling in your head still, that tell you something, um, that you're less than that that you're not worthy, that you don't matter, that God couldn't possibly care about you or notice you even. And if he does, he would turn away in disgust. If you've heard that, if you feel that at all, to the degree that you do, you are crippled and you are paralyzed, and you cannot become the person that God has called you to be. Um, Shame is a terrible thing. We've all been touched by it at least. You can't help it. It's, It's the condition of our world. It's the crossfire of people's disrespect and thoughtlessness. But God can do something about that in your life and mine, and you and I have to respond to that. And what's happening here is there's a conversion of a whole people who were not a people in their own minds and not worthy into a people valued, claimed by God, with a future and with a purpose. People of worth. Um, to know that God is for you, no matter who is against you. To know that He can reclaim you even if you've been lost, that you can be renewed even if you uh, feel like it's too late—it's not too late. And so that has to happen. If you continue, then there's a there's a second experience, and it, it 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 it's definitely in sequence here. The second experience is the manna stops. Now, the manna was God's provision in a sense; it was well dropped right into their laps. They didn't have to go work for it. Five- earn it. Uh, it came to them and, and because they were slaves and used to being fed they would work their slave owners would provide for them God took over that role, they were released from their slave owners, they were no longer in that condition but they were still passive and to move from passivity to civility is a huge step and it's required of everyone who's going to be a leader and who's going to bless other people So receiving the manna is a blessing for me. But ultimately it doesn't strengthen me. I'm marching in place because it's all just coming to me. Some of us do church like this. We're consumers. It comes to us. But now they're going to have to go out into the land and they're going to have to um, uh, find the produce out there. They're going to have to take action. They're going to have to go off on adventures. They're going to have to have a plan. They're going to have to exert some, some effort to do this now you see why that first step was so important they have to be remo- the shame has to be removed they have to know who they are so that they actually feel like they have the capacity the capability to now go do something as God wants them to do it and the the um, the land flowing with milk and honey go out there into that land it doesn't flow into you you have to go find it God will show you how to do that if you follow His direction and then interestingly interestingly enough, there's this encounter that Joshua has with, uh, with a warrior that he meets on the road. And uh, Joshua, you know, you can't imagine the pressure that Joshua must have felt. First of all, Moses, our hero, our commander, our captain, our inspiration, the deliverer of the Torah. Uh, he disappeared. <laughs> uh, he's gone. Rumor is it he's dead. He didn't take us where we thought he would take us. And only he could take us there because he's Moses, the Moses of the Exodus. And all of a sudden, if you read the very first chapter of Joshua, it says, the word of the Lord came to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then... Get these people. By the way, we think there were 1 to 1.5 million of these people. Get them across the Jordan River. Well, they're not going to listen to anybody else but Moses. Who is Joshua? He's the assistant to Moses. He carries, you know, his baggage. So Joshua's out there by himself. He's kind of surveying the land. He's doing reconnaissance out there. There's Jericho, this walled city. There's no way you can get into Jericho. I mean, they're they're vastly uh, out-armed. Um, uh, they, the weaponry of, of Jericho, the, the fortress, they're not going to be able to penetrate that. And so Joshua's out there, and I think as soon as he saw this warrior, Joshua adopted a little bit of a swagger. You know, you got to impress people when you meet them. You've ever been in for a job interview? You know, you know the swagger I'm talking about. You've got to be full of confidence, and, and you have all the answers. Even if you don't know anything about it, you, you make stuff up. You're eloquent. Um, you drop names, um, and you hope that nobody catches you. Here's Joshua out there. Are you for us? Or are you for against us? Joshua has no idea who this is. The commander of the Lord's army. You mean you mean God's already at work here? And if you're a leader, you have to know that God's already at work. He's out there ahead of you. God already has a plan for taking down the walls of Jericho. And it's not up to you, Joshua, not you by yourself. You're not all that. You can't be that. Joshua's trying to make himself larger than life because he's leading these slave people who badly need an early victory to believe that the conquest of the land is is possible. And so it's all on my shoulders he's feeling. Have you ever felt like that? It's all on your shoulders? It's all up to you? No, Joshua, you need to be finding out what God is already doing out there and follow his lead. And so Joshua says, oh, so you're the commander. Well, tell me, what are my marching orders? What am I supposed to do? Give me the the strategic word. And this commander, this angelic figure says, um, first things first, let's learn how to worship God. So take your sandals off. Joshua fell on his knees, fell prostrate in front and is um, remembering who it is he serves, who's already out there ahead of him. Uh, we'll get we'll get to the strategy soon enough. The first thing you need to get is your relationship with God. Get that right first. Leaders need to know that. So there's a kind of humility that goes with a kind of boldness when you're a leader. Those two things go together. They're not contradictory. But you got to get it right. Humility before God, bold, and then taking the action God is calling you to take. But always coming back to you and always deflecting the glory to him always recognizing your strength comes from him any progress you make the credit goes to him which means that other people who are now with you and working with you who need their own leadership developed recognize the source of their strength is is god himself equally available to them as it is to you joshua so now we can have a whole cadre of leaders not just one not just the cult of personality which is often the downfall even in israel as it was at times and certainly among us as we recognize as we look around the world today. It's not about the cult of personality. It's an ensemble of leaders who are working together, who form this kind of leadership team who are under submission to God himself and yet at the same time emboldened by that because if God is for us, if God is sending us, if God is calling us, if God is equipping us, there is no enemy that can stop him or stop us if we're aligned with him the final two verses um, which are the first two verses of chapter six i love it it says jericho and Jericho's kind of a symbol here at least as we're reading this no one went out and no one came in that reminds me of certain communities um, certain um, groups of people uh, perhaps and i don't know what stereotypes you might have in your mind okay that group can't be reached no one gets into that group, no one can can penetrate, no one can can reach them, and none of them can escape. Uh, you might think of your workplace. Boy, it's hard to break in, and uh, nobody gets out. You might think of a certain culture. Uh, you might think of uh, places in the world like the Middle East. You can't get in, no one can break out. It seems like such a hopeless situation. That's the city of jericho and uh you know poor joshua as he's wandering around figuring out how in the world do we get in well there's no way how does anybody escape how is anybody rescued out of jericho and we know there were those who were rescued out of jericho how do they get out well there's there's no way but as it turns out god's already got a plan in fact he wants you, Joshua, he wants you, leader, to see something that hasn't happened yet. See, this is the vision part. See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. It's already done. I already have figured it out, God says. Now, follow me, and we're going to go in that direction. Leaders have that level of confidence when they have a vision that God himself is, has delivered. Um, when you think of you're raising your own children, you know, are they, are they going to make it? Have you ever wondered if they're going to make it? This kid's either going to be a great Christian leader or a member of the mafia. I can't tell right now. You ever get concerned because, you know, their little personalities are just forming and they, sometimes they go out of bounds. And, but God, I see what you have in mind for my children. I know what you want for them. I want to invest in that. I'm confident in that. I'm not going to live a life of high anxiety. I'm not going to smother them and overprotect them. I'm also not going to lose interest and, and stop paying attention because they need my guidance, but they need progressive liberation as well. Um, and they are going to fail, and they're going to skin their knee, and there's going to be problems. And I know all of that, but, God, you have a plan and you have a purpose. We're watching Nancy and I right now with our, with our daughter, our, our youngest, our more, most notorious child, our free spirit. Our little rebel. And boy, did she have a struggle in her 20s. Wow. And she went away. She drifted. But you know what? God has given us a vision that sometimes we didn't even believe. Almost tempted to give up and say, just hope she survives this. And now she's this raging evangelist. I don't even, I'm listening to her going, where did she come from? She's had an encounter with the living God that I've always dreamed about. And yet God always had it as part of his purpose. So, from shame to esteem, true God inspired esteem, from passivity to responsibility, from arrogance or presumption, where where Joshua was wandering around thinking it's all on him, to a kind of holy submission, and then from despair to vision despair resignation can't happen won't happen leaders don't start with that kind of um, they start with realistic assessments but they always they don't forget to put God into the equation because he makes the difference it, it, it breaks he breaks the rules see I have already given you the city of Jericho that's a stretching of our faith and leaders are constantly being stretched in that Okay, well, that's a bit of our, that's our opener for the weekend. And uh, I hope as we plunge into this weekend, as we have a lot of fun around the edges, um, we'll also think a little bit uh, more clearly and hopefully with uh, with uh, some excitement about leadership and what God is calling us to do. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for this gathering um, late on Friday night after a long week. Um, but, Lord, if you have something in mind for us, something that you have called us to do, we just don't want to miss that. We, uh, we, 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 we don't want to miss a moment of it. We want, to, we want to be with you, as Joshua was. And as we range throughout Scripture for a little bit this weekend, Lord, I pray that something sticks that will mean something to each one of us and power us into the calling you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.